Welcome to another edition of Boilers Extra. I am Nathan Baird from the Journal and Courier, sitting alongside Mike Harmon, also of the Journal and Courier. And it, it's starting to feel a little bit like spring. Not not, know, not too bad nice. today. Tomorrow it's supposed to be in like the 60s. Yeah, I think, but the, I think the wind speed is supposed to match the temperature at some oh, really? point this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, so much for that. <laughs> Welcome to Indiana. It's, uh, we got a, a brief hint of it. Uh, it's almost baseball weather. That's kind of nice. It is. Oh, they're they're actually, playing Purdue, base. They're playing baseball somewhere. <laughs> actually, I, I, now that I mention it, I believe Purdue is scheduled to play baseball tonight at home. Yeah, they, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, this is the earliest they've ever had a home opener, which a lot of head scratching going on. When well, there's a reason that. they don't usually play on March 12th in Indiana because it's well, it's, it's one March thing if you have field Indiana. turf, but since you have natural grass, it's yeah. always you know is the ground. You know, is the ground still frozen? Is it well? Even if it's warm, what does that mean for your ground? What did it just melt? What did it right. just bring in in terms of precipitation? I mean, that's that's the tricky part of the equation this time of year. Yeah, I know because I know in the past they've had to move even games later in the month down to to Westfield yeah. and other places because the ground just wasn't ready to have you know nine men standing on a field running around on it and sliding and stuff like that. I mean, in my um, illustrious high school playing career just back across the <laughs> Illinois border. I mean, we would start playing in late March and you would still get snow flurries and stuff. So uh, March 12th is is quite early. It's very early, but you know, kudos if they can get it done tonight. Well, in, as far as the sports that are in uh, the indoor sports that are still going <laughs> on, um, you know, Purdue men's basketball wrapped up a Big Ten championship over the weekend. You're probably aware of that if you haven't been in a, a cave or a coma or whatever. And uh, the 24th Big Ten championship in Purdue history, and um, it, it was it was unfortunate. I, unfortunate is not the right word. It's like I think those are the kind of things you always wish you could sort of celebrate at home, or maybe you clinch it, and then you get to come home and share it with your fans. And and this one was one they could only sort of share with themselves, which is an important part of it, but also the the fans who made the trip and kind of crammed into Welsh Ryan Arena. Uh, maybe that was also the unfortunate thing. If you could have found another ten thousand seats or whatever, or five thousand or or whatever, but. Um, but still, I think a special moment for this program. And I thought you saw in, in the post game comments from these guys some of the emotion and maybe the tension and 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 some of that um, chip on their shoulder kind of all coming out there at the end. I thought they'd been fairly stoic in the way they'd handled it leading up to the game. Probably also helped that they lost on Tuesday as far as how much they could really puff their chest out. But um, they they really uh, I think understood the accomplishment of of, of what they did and and it kind of came out on Saturday. Yeah, it's more of a, a relief because you as you'd move closer to the top and um, you know maybe you were an afterthought when the Big Ten season started and they were an afterthought when the Big Ten season started. But once you got into it, you started winning some games and then you, you beat Michigan State at home. It kind of pushes you even closer, and then you had a really good month of February, even though you did suffer a couple losses there. Um, you know, you, you just you know, players sometimes just don't want to jinx themselves by yeah. by being too too excited about it beforehand. Uh, but you know, it's it's interesting because Michigan State is a team that was picked to win it or close. Purdue wasn't. So I, I imagine you have two different kinds of emotions. One is more relief that they got it done, and right. the other one's like, you know, damn, we got it done type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And 
uh, you know, it's 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 really a, it's it's a great accomplishment for this team this year because of where they where they started. They were six and five, and you know, qu- questioned where they were going to where where they were going to go. And but you know, as, as we've talked about, you know, the Wisconsin win up there seemed to ignite them and push them in the right direction uh, where they got on this run. And it was a it was a long Big Ten season because of the twenty games. Um, and you're closer to a truer champion than you were a year ago. But you still don't have the true champion, and the schedule's now configured where you have rivalry games uh, with Purdue and IU and Michigan, Michigan State, and Illinois Northwestern. They're always going to play each other, so it's not not a true champion. But they still hand out a trophy, and you still count it towards your 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 program total. Uh, but it's something that uh, this team and this fan base should be proud of because it, it, you know the unexpected ones are probably a little bit more. Uh, satisfying, mm-hmm. but also, you know, I could see the Michigan State fan base too. It's like, yep, they set out to to do it, and they had a lot of adversity throughout the year. Absolutely, yep. and uh, you know, they were able to, like Purdue, you know, they beat their rival twice um, to get it done, and those those probably were the the difference uh, in in both teams. You know, winning winning a share of the title. I think Michigan State had lost twenty four games of its regular starters to injury. Whether that's Langford or, um, or not Langford, but whether that's um, Ward or um, I'm blanking on his name, but yes, they've lost. They had two right. two main starters who they lost, and um, Purdue had unless you consider Trevon Williams missing a game with strep throat and another game where he had <laughs> um, sort of tweaked his uh, back or a, a leg or something. I don't. They didn't really lose any. Right. Um, they had that that intact starting unit. Um, now that set center spot did move around, but it, it wasn't like you knew you were without the guy for a long stretch. So, um, that yeah, I was... don't think Purdue could have, you know, this, you look at the two different teams and, uh, you know, Michigan state probably had, you know, had more quality depth from a talent standpoint than Purdue could have Purdue lost 24 games from a, from two starters right. and still won the big 10. I don't know if they could have done that or not where Michigan state could because of, you know, the kind of their roster and stuff. So you know, things had to line up well for Purdue to get this, but it still lines up, and you still get it done. And now you're you're still in a really good position going into the Big Ten tournament, I think, uh, as the number uh, number two seed, and uh, should really position themselves well for for uh, the NCAA tournament as well. That was Joshua Langford, by the way. I don't yeah. know. Was. Um, <laughs> too many Langfords in the Big Ten this year. That'll probably change pretty soon. Um, but I also thought it was funny that you know. The players were kind of bringing this up. Um, what did they pick us to finish? Like eighth or ninth? <laughs> and nobody thought we were going to do this. I'm like, you're right. They they voted. They you know the consensus vote had you lower in the Big Ten, and then you went out and went six and five to start the year. You kind of reinforced a lot of the doubts that people had. It was only at that point that things started turning in the right direction. So I don't really know they need somebody to eh. say they were picked ninth. I mean, yeah, you, I, we all get our motivation from different sources. Yeah. I get that, but I, I really despise the fact that no, I thought we could win. And then now right. we did. So it's all in your face. Really? So you guys had nothing to do with it, right? <laughs> your coach had nothing to do with it. Your, your teammates had nothing to do with it. Well, also like if you're picked to finish sixth and then you finish fifth, are you really showing the doubters, how wrong they were. I mean, it's it's. I think it's it's a little bit silly, but um, something that came up in, in over the course of this weekend, and, and some coaches are getting asked about it. Um, and I think it, because of they they saw what happened with the Michigan State Michigan game 
on Saturday night and what it's like to culminate a season. It just so happened that there was a championship at stake, which which played into it too. But these protected rivalry games, is it worth taking it one step farther and letting that be the way it is in football, have your big rivalry game be the last game of the season? Yes. I think it's You'd worth like it. You'd like to see that? I, I would love to see that. And uh, I, I think that's you, – you get that football element now yeah. where you have those rivalry games. The only thing I would – you know, the only thing I have questions about, and I don't know if I would change it, I probably would a little bit, the fact that Michigan and Michigan State played two games within how many days? Uh, well, it was, it was two of the last four games. So you're yeah. talking about within a span of just a couple weeks. Yeah, I, I, I think I would change that. I, I think I would right. spread those out a little bit more. Yeah. Now, we don't know, was that TV generated? Why the first Michigan State game was where, where it was at? I, I think one of the – when – when ESPN does its uh, when it does its schedule, they, you know they always have rivalry week, and Purdue and Indiana is always part of that week. So it's understandable to have that game in that in that week. Uh, but the the other Purdue Indiana game was earlier in January. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I like the way they was spread out for them. Um, it was I, a month apart. It was exactly yeah, one month. Yeah, but if, if you're going to tell me that Purdue and Indiana and Michigan Michigan State and Illinois Northwestern, I guess they have to be included in this, are going to be playing on the last day of the regular season, I would say sign me up. I mean, I think that's I think that's 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 wonderful. And I, I you know, and I think you could probably come across um in the Big Ten, you could probably come across and do that with almost every school. You could have Minnesota and Wisconsin playing that 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 final mm-hmm. uh fi- you know, Nebraska and, uh, and Iowa did. They were playing on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, actually turned away from the game and then went back. It's like, wait a minute. How did this get to overtime? <laughs> there were some uh, interesting ups and downs in some of the big-time right. games. I mean, you could have you know, you know, could have a Penn State Rutgers and Maryland, Ohio State type of thing. And um, I, I think it would work. And, um, you know, and I think that would be attractive to TV because, you know, in any given year, Michigan, Michigan State, Purdue, and Indiana – of those four schools, one of those schools, maybe two, are going to be involved uh, in the regular season race up to the last weekend. I mean, history tells you that. I mean, Purdue's won twenty four big time, Big Ten titles. Indiana's what one twenty two. You know, so in recent history about Michigan, Michigan State tell you they're going to be there. So, yeah, I would lo- I would love to see that. I think that would really, um, and not that Purdue playing Northwestern put a little bit of a uh, downer on it, but it based on Northwestern season, it didn't leave a lot of drama for, for that, for that Purdue game, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. Now, Northwestern more than capable of, of beating Purdue up there. And, you know, and if law doesn't go out, you know, yeah, who knows? Maybe yeah. The game's a little bit closer, but it, it just didn't act, you know, just didn't have the pizzazz of a lot of a final regular season game with the team going for a big 10 regular season title. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, were most of the coaches in agreement that they would like to see that? Or I, I, um, I know that Chris Collins was asked about it. I think he was in favor of it. I don't remember if someone even asked Painter about it, but I imagine he'd be okay with it. I don't. I don't know. I mean, he's he 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 for a long time he was taking kind of the more pragmatic approach to whether or not they should even have the protected rivalries. But in retrospect, I think some of that was gamesmanship on his part to wait until they internally had enough support for it to then get out in front of it and, and push it across, whether than try to force it across. Um, 
So, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's interesting that Purdue and Northwestern, I, this is my sixth year on the beat, and I think they've played the last game of the regular season three times at least in that stretch. Um, definitely they did my first year on the beat because Northwestern came in and beat Purdue, and it was their sixth loss in a row, and they finished last in the Big Ten. <laughs> it was kind of one of those burned-into-Purdue fans' memories uh, games, I think. And then um, two years ago, that looked like it might be a game to decide the Big Ten championship, and then Purdue beat Indiana at home and wrapped it up at home before they had to go play that game. And then, obviously, yesterday. So, And I'm trying to think of the other two years who they finished up against, but it seems like there's always a late-season game against Northwestern. And in three of the last six years, it's been the last game of the regular season, which I thought has just been kind of a weird coincidence. But... Um, Anyway, that, that that wrapped up the regular season, and then on Monday we got the All Big Ten voting came out, and I thought it pretty accurately reflected, in a lot of ways, Purdue's season. Um, I know that there are probably uh, Purdue fans who would argue pretty strongly that somebody else deserved to be first, second, or third team Big Ten. Um, so uh, Matt Painter was coach of the year. I think that was a given going into the day. Um, Carson Edwards, first team All Big Ten, I thought that was a given. And then Nojal Eastern was on the all-defensive team. Ryan Klein and Matt Harms were honorable mention, all Big Ten. And that was the extent of the recognition. I, it, the problem is, number one, there are more than 15 players deserving of being all Big Ten. It's tough to cram them onto those 15 spots. The other problem for, for Purdue is if you're going to vote for just one of those extra four starters, which one do you vote for? Um, you know, Ryan Klein would get a lot of sentimental votes being a senior, and he obviously had a really good season. But then what Matt Harms did down the stretch, what Nojel Eastern meant to this team on a day-in, day-out basis, what Grady Eifert meant in a lot of ways, you could find a reason to vote for any one of those four guys, but probably not two of them. And now it, maybe the vote is getting split up a little bit. So I thought it was, it was sort of a fitting recognition for Purdue in a weird way that it's too bad none of those guys got on third team, but really that was – what they did this year it was all it was the ultimate role players elevating this team as opposed to individuals carrying this team yeah that's the one thing that disappointed me maybe from the coaches than the media because we all know the media were a bunch of a bunch of idiots when it comes right down to it so but I, I thought at least one player other than Carson Edwards would be on the top 15 now for all we know Harms finished 16th. Well, yeah, I think there's a there's a very good chance. <laughs> Eastern that Ryan finished Klein, 17th and Klein, you know, whatever, yeah. It's the same thing with Dakota Mathias yeah. last year. I mean, we don't know that a Purdue guy wasn't 16th by one vote. Right. They don't release the full vote tally. And mm-hmm. I know, and people always complain and say, well, there's no way he's not one of the top 15. I'm like, okay, but he was 16, maybe. Yeah. Like, is that really that much of a travesty? It's, it's no, that it's narrow. Um, but I understand what you're yeah. saying, and I, I understand that sentiment that this team accomplished enough that there should be more individual recognition. But then the, the, kind of the math that I stopped and broke it down on was like, there's 14 teams in the Big Ten now, and you've got to find 15 of them to put on all Big Ten. And that's really tough because even the worst teams in the league – all of them have like one guy who's really good and probably deserves some kind of Big Ten, well, I mean, all Big you, Ten recognition. If you take the best player from all f- fourteen teams, then you got one spot you got, left. You got one right. spot, yeah. But I, my, my point, I just feel like Purdue shared the league, and and I think that plays a little bit of a role. But the guys that you're talking about with Harms and Klein and Eastern and even you know Eifert to some extent, you know, they're the reason Purdue won the league. Yes, they that, are the reason. Right. They are the reason. Produce one of the that group. Now, as you said, which one do you pick? Which one do you put ahead of the others? 
uh, you know, Klein would get probably get the vote because he's a senior, but it, it shouldn't uh, discount what everybody else did down the stretch. I mean, Carson being first team is was natural, but this team won the Big Ten because of those other guys. And but I think that gets it, reflected in the coach of the year vote. It does, yeah, that, that kind of you, you got the coach of the year, you got a first team all, all Big Ten guy, then all the other guys are on. We'll mention it, it, it fits together. It, it, you know, it, it's, it, it comes together nicely, but also feel like maybe one of those guys should have been on third team at the, at the least. I, I, I didn't think any of them would get on second team, nor should they have been on second team. But I thought one of the guys, at least from the coach's standpoint, would have, would have squeezed in on the third team. Maybe, you know, maybe he's the 15th guy. He got, you know, the 15th most votes and that, that would have been, yeah. that would have been nice. But, um, you know, they'll all tell you it won't matter, but. It does. It I mean, does. It's not it's, like they get a bonus out of it. No, right. And, but I think it's one of those things that will probably be a little extra, as we were just talking right. about, a little extra motivation for each individual, for the whole team, to say, oh, well, we got overlooked even when we won a Big Ten championship. When, I, when, again, I don't really feel like that's necessarily the case. And I think people need to recognize, I think honorable mention used to be kind of this afterthought thing. But now, again, there's 14 teams and so you only get to recognize 15 guys. If you're still one of the guys who's getting votes out of that, which is how you get on honorable mention, then that means well, if you take If you take that list out, if you take the honorable mention, mention list out to whatever the number is, what is it, 30? I don't know if there are even that many. 25? Maybe. So if you, even if you got honorable mention, you're one of the top 25 players in the Big right. Ten. Right. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. That's, you can put that on your resume and go get a job. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> absolutely i mean that's that's kind of what i've been trying to say i mean go go look at some of the other guys who weren't um who only made third team or who didn't even make third team there's some really really good basketball players in there so. and if you and if this if we're back to the old days where you only have 11 schools then then klein's getting on third team maybe second team uh because you just don't have you're, you're eliminating maryland's talent which is yeah. quite <laughs> quite hefty right <laughs> you know and uh, and rutgers uh, and then and Nebraska, so you're eliminating three schools there, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, that's I was probably just a little disappointed in that, but not uh, there's no pitchforks or anything else coming out because of that. But overall, I think it all fits because of kind of what you said. Painter's a coach of the year. You got Carson as first team, and then your other guys are recognized just at you know another level down from from third team. The um Carson Edwards was unanimous, first team All Big Ten, and I actually wasn't sure that was going to happen. Coaches and media? I believe it was coaches and media. I was actually just about to check that. I know it was from the coaches, and I had been talking to people, reporters, who had told me that they were not voting him first team All Big Ten. Um, so let me check. I'm checking the list now. Yes, both coaches and media, he was unanimous first team All Big Ten. And um, I know Purdue was trying to um, – kind of drum up some support here in the last couple of days saying there had never been someone who led the league in scoring and was not and for for a league champion and was not the player of the year. And um, I obviously find some fault with that <laughs> logic. That's not really the way we look at basketball anymore. I actually I say that that's a lot of fault. With that the, well, that's, that's a feature, not a bug of the current <laughs> way that we look at basketball, I think. And that I'm not trying to slight Carson Edwards. I'm just saying that they, we, we look at a, a, we look at basketball with a, a bit of a wider spectrum than that. I think that was kind of how, in baseball, if you won 
20 games, no matter whether or not it came with a terrible ERA and you didn't strike anybody out, you were going to win the Cy Young Award, and now we don't look at it that way. Right. Um, and it's kind of the same thing applies to basketball a little bit. But um, I'm interested kind of, I guess, um, I'm interested about a lot of things that go on <laughs> in Carson Edwards' head, but how this could maybe be something he uses to um, – how he approaches these these next what could be the last couple of weeks of his producing. I, I, ho- I hope he doesn't. I mean, just he, it's probably he, the last thing he needs. Really, really. I mean, he doesn't need to go out and prove that he should have been Player of the Year. He, I think, he's been trying to do that all year, right. and I think that's been reflective in some of his games, where whether it's you know he's he's consciously doing it or whatever. But you know, when you're seven for thirty-one and seven for twenty-four in some of these other games, I mean, I, I just think that's a deterrent to your to your team. Go out, win the Big Ten tournament. You know, average whatever, but you know, ride the guys that helped you win the regular season title, and that's you know, that's your payback, or that you know, that gets you. And at the end of the day, whether he was the Big Ten Player of the Year or not, doesn't mean squat when they're doing NBA draft evaluations. Oh, right, and. Right. and you know, we we all know ultimately that's where he wants to be and where he wants to go. So, it does it doesn't matter. I mean, if you want to be player of the year, get a get a fancy headband like uh, Winston <laughs> did, which I got in the mail the other day. I, I don't think I got one. <laughs> I got one. Somebody asked me. Somebody who covers Michigan State was like, "Hey, did you get your cash?" No, because I texted and... the guy that covered Michigan oh, State okay, okay. and said, "How much do you think I could get for this in Lansing?" And he, he told said, yeah, me, "Did you get your headband?" I'm like, "I didn't. I didn't get a headband, but I had actually already voted for him for player of the year anyway." He said um, he thought I could get fifty bucks for it. Then he said he wanted one. I said, "Well, it cost you a hundred." <laughs> I want to see. I would have gone the other way. I would have said, "Bargain forty-five. And I, I forty-five, and I'll cover the shipping. And I haven't heard from him since. No, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I just think if if it drives him, fine. But I don't know if you know. He seems like I don't know. I don't know if he needs to get driven any more than what he is. And yeah. you know, I think that can be a deterrent to to Purdue at times. Um, I just he just needs to go play, play his game, just play smarter and understand situations better. And if he does that, I think this team will be fine. Not only in the Big Ten tournament, but in the NCAA tournament. But that's that's the fear if you're a Purdue fan of getting one of those games again, right. and that's it. You're right. done, and it's over, and it's over before it should be. Well, I would if I were if I were putting together film for him from this Northwestern game. It wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that he cut six for eighteen. It was the passes he was making in the second half when this game separated. Right. That's you know it's it's you know Matt Painter said some comments yesterday in the Big Ten teleconference that we do going into the tournament about how he thought that the national narrative and he may have also been talking about the local media here, uh, but the national narrative of of Edwards needing to do different things this year and really carry this team was wrong and that it. Um, you know, less is more from these other guys, and, and he still did a lot of things to help him win. And he has this presence on the court that that uh, affects defenses, even if he's not shooting well. I believe all of that to be true. I think that's what a lot of people who cover this team have been saying, writing, reporting, analyzing, whatever. It's just that then, what does he do with that? And I thought we've again another great example of it. Saturday was when he recognized. What what Matt Harms I thought very in, in a very Matt Harms way had had called the gravity that he has within the offense. He when he recognizes that and plays off of that, this team does really special things. That's when you see the best version of Purdue. So I am interested in, in to see if that is something that he can lock into here um, again, as we may be looking at the last couple of weeks of his career. And that, that sort of leads into or his Purdue career, I should say. And that leads into we don't know who Purdue is going to play in the Big Ten tournament yet. They got the double bye again. They'll play either Penn State or Minnesota on Friday night. 
Um, but just sort of what's at stake for Purdue in this Big Ten tournament, I think, is more than wins or losses because they're locked in as far as the NCAA tournament. They probably don't want to maybe lose that first game. It would maybe be a detriment to their resume. But it's still for them. I, I just still see more room for growth for this team as, as a basketball team and, and refining some things and and probably chiseling away some some things that they're not that good at and, and better emphasizing the things that they are really good at. Yeah, and you're going to face one of two teams who gave you a hard time during the regular season. Penn one State of them or, beat you, and one right. of them took you to overtime. So, And one of the other one should have beat you <laughs> when you get right down to mm-hmm. it. Uh, but, yeah, you're going to – you know, you, it doesn't matter really because any team you play in your first game is coming from the from you know the middle to the bottom of the league, um, and they've challenged you in some way at some point this year. So I mean, you should it should have your attention. The fact that you displayed Minnesota should have your attention, and the fact that you know Penn State might be there, you know that was you know the the first you know the only meeting they had, and you know that went to overtime and. Uh, you know, Purdue had to hang on for dear life uh, to get that. But you're right. You just like to see more of what happened at Northwestern during the crucial moments that allowed them to, to get the double-digit lead. And if you can play like that, I guess, for longer stretches over the next, you know, you hope you get three games, then I think that's a really good momentum going into the tournament. But if, you know, you're back to, you know, if you take a step back a little bit where you're just, Guys are standing around watching Carson. You know, I think that can really be a hindrance as you get get going in the postseason. And you know, and so much of this depends on so much depends on Carson's mindset, really. Yeah. I mean, you you've mentioned before. You know, Matt has done whatever he can do with him, um, and not that he's washing his hands of him by any means, but it just it so much just depends on how he approaches the game and then once he gets in the game what he feels like he can do i also think this is an important week for Purdue's bench i thought we saw some better play um from trevion williams one of his best games in the last couple of weeks actually saw some flashes from some of the other guys after coming out of a game on tuesday where matt painter said oh, i couldn't put those guys on the floor which i thought was a pretty damning indictment of, <laughs> of an entire half of your <laughs> roster for that night um, and I, I don't know how much the freshman wall is a real thing. I think there's some there's something to it, especially from a mental standpoint. But um, if Purdue makes a run at the Big Ten tournament, it's going to be three games in three days. You're going to need your bench. That's just it's that simple. They're going to need them to be um, a pretty important part of what they do this week in Chicago. Um, and I guess we'll talk about that more more next week. Just how how this goes. And why well, uh, the matchup I would really like to see is Purdue and Michigan. Because they uh, yeah. played in the very first game of the year. Michigan was like the best team in the country at that point. Yeah. And I'd really like to see – I wish they would have played at another point in the Big Ten season just to kind of see where – Yeah. And I, I really hope – I think that's – to me, that's the matchup I want to see out of – and also Indiana-Michigan State, I guess, would be the other one. But Purdue yeah. and Michigan, I think, would be a really, in, uh, uh, really interesting matchup at this point of the year based on the, the seasons that they've had. Indiana, Ohio, or Indiana, uh, Michigan State would be a potential quarterfinal matchup, and if Purdue and Michigan both win their first round matches, that would be first round games. That would be a semifinal matchup. And you're right, and I think Purdue probably would like that game again. Number one, Michigan has kind of in general been this nemesis of theirs, going back a few years now. But that first game, I don't know how much they really use an excuse, but it was like at the worst possible time for Purdue. They were still figuring themselves out. They were they had a, a night game on a Wednesday night in. Florida, Florida State, and then they yeah. had an afternoon game in Ann Arbor on a Saturday. It just wasn't the best 
um, timing for them, really. And, and Michigan was had a better idea of the team it was at that point. And whereas Indiana or Illinois, sorry, Purdue <laughs> grew into it over the course of I hit everybody in this little triangle on, on, the, <laughs> on the way there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that would be um, one of the more intriguing games of the entire tournament, actually, was if those two teams got on the floor again. And you got to see more of a fully realized Purdue going against this Michigan team that I think is, is, I mean, sneakily, I know that Michigan state beat them twice, but you could still argue Michigan's you could plausibly argue that there is as good or better than any of the teams in the big 10 this year. So no, no um, question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're one game short of it. Um, but I also, it also kind of give, gives me more respect for Michigan state that they were able to beat them twice. Um, especially in the circumstances, missing some guys and, um, um, so, um, you know, I, but I'm really interested in, in what I jokingly have called Dave Banger Trigman call this the under bracket. So before you get into like the, the big marquee games, you've got all these games at the, at the bottom. There's going to be some really interesting basketball played over the first couple of days of this tournament and possibly beyond that. Cause there's teams like Minnesota, like Penn state, even Penn state's won, I think four games in a row here to end the regular season. I mean, there is a, there are teams here that know that they underachieved and this is their chance to prove it. Um, it's not easy having to win that many games in a row, but we've seen other teams do it. Um, there's definitely room for some Cinderella action this week in, in Chicago. Well, I mean, you could look at Indiana Ohio State being an elimination game, maybe for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, that's that's a compelling matchup. And then if Indiana wins, they get Michigan State again, which, you know, they were able to, to knock off twice. Uh, so, yeah, there, and I think Penn State-Minnesota is one of those interesting um, games too that could decide whether Minnesota, you know, they have the nice win over Purdue, but you can't you can't regress and right. lose to Penn State at, at this point of the year. Right. It just doesn't, you know. Understand the committee is going body of work from from November to now, but no one can deny what what happens now has more uh, relevance in, in in their discussions. Yeah, they've thrown out the last ten thing as supposedly as a as a um, one of the factors they consider, but recency, recency bias is a thing. I mean, it's, it's something that we all deal with in every part of their lives. So, um, so hopefully you all have recency bias and remember to come <laughs> visit us again next week for next week's episode of Boilers Extra, where we'll obviously be breaking down Purdue's, uh, whatever they do in Chicago this week. And then looking into the NCAA tournament next week, where, um, obviously a whole, a season of success kind of then gets judged in a whole, new way of for better or for worse so uh, i'm nathan baird at in baird jc on twitter he's mike carmen at carmen underscore jc find us on all your podcast uh podcatchers podcast outlets um download us subscribe rate us review us send us feedback we'd love to hear from you see you next week